If you're an entrepreneur, you know how valuable the right support can be. We've heard tons about virtual assistants, but what about leveling up even further? Let's think about experts. I came across more staffing recently. They're not just about connecting businesses with virtual assistants. Instead, they focus on matching you with professionals from the Philippines. We're talking about finance, supply chain, operations, marketing, and others. The real kicker? More staffing goes the extra mile. They back their placements with a 12-month guarantee, and they even coach them for the first six months. This ensures you're getting someone who's not only skilled, but also integrates seamlessly into your operations. If you're ready to evaluate and transform your business, head over to morenow.co. Again, morenow.co. Next year's creeping up quick. If you want to skyrocket revenue in 2024, you need tech that puts you in the pilot seat. The new HubSpot sales hub will help you close out the year strong and kickstart your success for 2024. Teams can collaborate on every inch of the customer journey and keep operations running smoothly with a comprehensive prospecting workspace and powerful sales and analytics tools that keep data connected across teams. Speed up your workflows and navigate your platform with ease with the AI-powered conversational platform ChatSpot. And use AI Assistant to write copy, generate emails, and more. They'll help you whip up assets and execute tasks that used to take hours out of your workday. HubSpot Sales Hub lets you accelerate every facet of your sales operation with precision. And with over 1,400 integrations, there are tons of ways to mix in new features. So finish out Q4 strong and gear up for the new year with HubSpot Sales Hub. Learn more at hubspot.com sales. What's up, DTC Pod? Today, we're joined by Ali Karsh and Nicole Flores of The Littles. So guys, I'll let you kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves, your backgrounds, and what you guys are building now? Sure. So we started working together about 14 years ago. Um, we've been in the PR industry since then, and um, we now work at LVPR, which is a company that I founded, and we work with a lot of startups and emerging brands. And due to that, we decided that we wanted to start doing this passion project called The Littles. And The Littles is a CPG startup advisory. Um, we offer distinctive brands, a model that supports high growth potential. And it's really just like consulting for brands that couldn't afford maybe LVPR at the retainer level that we're at, but still need that like strategy and advice that they could potentially like execute on their own. So we're really excited and um, we would love to share more about it. Yeah, well, we're really excited to to get into it. Um, I think PR is a, a topic that we love getting into. It's such an essential part for brands that are launching and even brands that are in market in terms of positioning, getting the right coverage, getting the right press, and being able to scale things out. Um, and we know you guys at LVPR. We've worked with a bunch of your brands. You've had a bunch on the show. Um, and so why don't you just tell tell our audience like who you guys have had the pleasure of working with over over your career at LVPR? Of course, I mean, it's been actually really cool because we started with a lot of brands that literally were in their infancy, their startup stage, and then we've seen many of them through acquisition, which has been an amazing growth opportunity for us. So we worked with Native, the deodorant and now personal care brand um, through acquisition. We worked with Hero Cosmetics. Uh, we've worked with Vinebox, which is an amazing wine brand and we've also worked with a ton of like cloud papers one of our brands it's a bamboo toilet paper and paper products brand um which one to us um <clears throat> the home decor brand mckenzie child right now we're repping kevin aquan beauty which is makeup state bags accessories 
stojo, which is more home, um, you know, the new Tupperware. But really, our sweet spot is brands with a good, great founder story, some element of sustainability, um, some sort of give back, um, audition, a product we love, and a cult-like following. And when we work with brands that hit most of these marks, we just see a lot. Awesome. And I'd love to go into a little bit now, um, sort of what maybe some of the learnings have been over the time working with these brands. I know you guys have had the pleasure of working with some major brands that have gotten to a whole bunch of scale, but like, you know, what are, you know, what do brands need to know when they're, when they're starting out, what they're launching and when they're thinking about bringing PR into the fold, what do, what do they need to know? Where do you guys come in? What do you help with that really helps brands, you know, take it to the next level? I mean, I think the biggest thing is we we do more than PR. So we also do social media management. We do influencer. We do affiliate marketing. So we've really kind of grown our departments. And the biggest thing is that if all those channels are not working together, it's clunky. You know, so it's like one of those things that if you're not putting out the same information and the same support in all these channels, you're not really optimizing your opportunities. And these startup brands are not always, you know, they don't have the bandwidth. They they don't have the team for a lot of this. And so where we come in is we really function as a partner to our brands. We don't function as an agency. We come in, we look big picture and we say, here's your holes. Like, here's the, what, here's the areas that you need to put time into. Here's the strategies. How can we help you? And I think that's what's really worked well for us because a lot of our brands have then since like asked us to stay on longer, grown our retainers because they're like, we see the value that you guys provide. Um, yeah, what am I missing? <laughs> um, well, there was like a lot of questions in there, but I think when you're launching a new brand, you know, making sure that the brand messaging is tight and the product differentiators, like what sets you aside from everyone else in your space. Um, again, like a great founder story just really helps because a consumer right now really needs to feel connected to the brand, you know, there needs to be that emotional connection, that brand affinity. Um, and then really laying out not just your your launch. I think brands always think about the launch and they kind of just, you know, let it go from there. But how do you continue to be a part of the conversation in terms of media and in social? So, you know, within your category, what are the moments every month that you can show up and have an opportunity, whether it's a sale, a promo, a campaign, a partnership, you know, you can be doing things that are driving conversation on an ongoing basis. A strategy. We really you know, focus, you know, like the long-term strategy. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. It's, um, it's really interesting that you implement like all the playbooks at the same time of affiliate influencer and PR because it makes sense to maximize momentum. I could see why if you're doing PR, you're going to get interest from influencers you might get interest from people who are better fit as an affiliate. And if you're just focused on one channel at that time, you're just going to let those opportunities go cold. Um, when you talk about filling in the gaps and the holes for some of these companies, how much of that is like brand or is it performance? Um, like, is it is it more story? What are some of the common, the most common, you know, holes that you see on with brands when they're starting out? The most common holes? Um Honestly, it varies across brands, but I would say, you know, in terms of a newer brand, 
you would be surprised, but when they come in and we do those intro crawls, a lot of people still don't know what affiliate is. Um, they are not maximizing affiliate and they're like, oh, you know, we did a little bit, bit PR, but we're not seeing conversion. Well, PR is not about conversion, right? PR is about brand awareness. And if you're really looking to focus on conversion, affiliate, it's a really low risk marketing channel. And we're seeing that about 90% of media publishers now are an affiliate. So for example, the Condé Nast, Dadash Meredith, CNN Underscored, Forbes, Wirecutter for New York Times. You know, if you're connecting with those affiliate uh, commerce editors or, you know, partnership directors, then you can work with them to create um, opportunities, right? Exclusive opportunities for these media outlets is actually going to drive sales when a story and is there is there such thing as like the right timing for this? Like, could it be too early to tackle on that for a brand? Yeah. Um, I think that if you're gonna start doing PR, affiliate needs to be set up. Meaning, at least you have to be like on the platform, because a lot of these publishers, like I mentioned, let's say it's a product roundup on well and good of the best supplements, you know, for 2024. If you're not set up an affiliate, they might not choose you because they want to include brands where they have an opportunity to make a commission based on every sale. But we always say when brands come to us, we always say you have to be set up on affiliate before we even work with you. So that's kind of one of our, you know, disclaimers. But I mean, typically we, we work with brands that are about to launch in at least 60 days, maybe a little bit earlier. But everything needs to be lined up and ready to execute in order for the success to like all happen at once. Okay, guys. Well, I, I love that. I love the the framing that you guys also have of, in terms of aligning all those channels and making sure to d distinguish between affiliate, between influencer, between brand awareness, because these are all like Ramon, like you had mentioned, they're all building blocks that all stack together to communicate that message. Um, and what I'd love to do and why I was really excited for this episode is because we just happen to be launching a brand in 60 days. And obviously there's a lot of like things that are going to have to be done from the PR side. So what I'd love to do a little bit is, you know, maybe we can workshop what some of those things might be from the context of our brand, which will give, you know, everyone else some kind of ideas in terms of how you guys approach things, how you guys would think about setting something up. So um, for anyone who's listening, uh, this is the first time we're announcing it. So what I'm working on um, is an olive oil supplement brand, right? So it's a capsule in capsule olive oil supplement brand. There's obviously a ton of benefits that you get, natural benefits from olive oil. But part of the problem is to get those hard, healthy, longevity focused benefits, you need to consume around four tablespoons of olive oil or 500 calories worth of really high quality extra virgin olive oil a day. And that might be tough in, in the, you know, in Western diets. So what we've done is we've extracted the really high quality parts of uh, the olive in terms of their phenolic compounds, specifically this one called hydroxytyrosol, where there's a ton of, um, you know, of medical studies with, with all, the, all the effects that you're able to see. And we've distilled it and we've capsulated it into a capsule and capsule uh, called Olivia. So I can show it to you guys right here. Uh, first time. Yeah, there, there it is. So that's the capsule. And as you can see, we've got really high, uh, high phenolic content olive oil. And encapsulated on the inside is a capsule of 
um, you know, hydroxytyrosol, which is that phenolic compound that I was talking about. So it's something that we're really excited about launching. And again, we're about 60 days or so away from launch. This is our first production batch that you guys can see here. We got we got the goods right there. So yeah, yeah they're here. They're here. It's ready to go. Take a day. What's that? One a day. Yeah. And it's only four calories. So you got like all the benefits from olive oil in a four calorie capsule. Love that. Okay. You want to do so? Yeah. So with with that in mind, um, you know, if pretend, I mean, this is the first time you guys are hearing from it. So I'd love just the first th thoughts in terms of reaction to the product, what we should be doing, what we need to be thinking about. Yeah, r run us through it. Okay. So, um, I mean, the first step would be a competitor audit. So we would see, you know, who are your competitors and what is their proposition and how do we di differentiate you in this space, right? Um, my second question would be, do you have certifications or anyone with a medical background that can help be a spokesperson? So, you know, there's opportunities for the founder, but then, you know, there's another layer of credibility that you get with a spokesperson with some sort of health or, you know, nutritionist or medical background. Um, and then from there, you know, work on the brand messaging and draft a, your launch press release, right? Where you detail out um, where you're going to be available, the ingredients, again, like any certifications. Um, and then we could do a couple of things. I think with brands, it depends on budget, right? So once we get a sense of what your out-of-pocket budget is, it could be something like setting up virtual meetings with health and wellness editors, you know, at the top media outlets are so well and good, mind, body, green, very well health, all those kind of um, media outlets where people want to read about supplements and nutrition, women's health, men's health, etc. So that's like a low lift, low cost thing, right? Because you could just set up like this, like Zoom meetings with editors, you send them a beautiful uh, PR, they're called PR package or press mailer with product and an insert about in, informative um informative details about the brand and usually like a surprise and delight component you know that's in addition or pairs well with the kind of product or category you're pushing um so yeah i mean those are just off the top of my head i couple of things <laughs> I, I love that and then um the next question i'd have would be in terms of like you said, there's all these different things that we want to start to manage, right? We want to we want to make sure our messaging's good. We want to make sure we've got like the legit legitimacy taken care of. Like, what does it take to to run this process? Like, how how are how do you guys like get involved? Are you just checking in with us? Are you giving us like a checklist? And yeah, how how do, how do you guys oversee and make sure we're hitting all those um, you know milestones, so to speak? Yeah, so we are very like Ali said previously work more as a partner, not as an agency. So we set up, you know, uh, bi-weekly calls. And at the start of it, we do a launch kickoff call, which is essentially we assess what you're missing. And yes, we kind of give you a to-do list of like, hey, here are all the things you need to get in order in order for us to start working on whether it's kicking off the affiliate program, the press release, the brand messaging, the mailers, right? Like we need essentially your uh, uh, PR and business objectives so we can do a strategy that ladders up to them. Like, are you focusing on sales and conversion, brand awareness, retail? Are you trying to attract retail? You know, every brand has different objectives. So I think the great thing is, you know, it's not a copy and paste approach. You really have to personalize your strategy for every brand and every founder. 
Yeah, I would just add on to that. Like everything that we do for brands in the littles is really strategy based. So they don't have the ability to hire a team, which would be LBPR. So what we give them is like we we assess the situation. We say, here's where you what you need to do. Here's your your program. You guys implement it or we can help you. Um, but the goal is really to give them that blueprint of what you need to do to start and like all the different channels and activations that need to happen. And and I'd love to talk a little bit about, or Ramon, did you want to jump in with something? Well, I, w- I just wanted to ask for some of the brands you work with, how do you know, what are the indicators that like, oh, this is going to be a home run? Like what are the actions and things that those brands or customers do in those common traits that you just know this is going to be successful? I mean, we're just geniuses. So like, I don't really know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think that's really been the cool thing for us is when we started LVPR, we we fell into this category. And so through the years, we've been able to see like a lot of it, I think, depends on the founder. Like a lot of it is their personality, their passion, their, you know, the innovation pipeline. Like there's a lot of different things that we look at. But at the end of the day, it's very much a gut thing. <laughs> like, I think it's a little bit of, we, there's, there's categories that are hard. There's categories that are easier to pitch product in. There's categories that are oversaturated, saturated, and there's like innovation ones. So I think we just kind of look at all of that. We look at a lot of the, the, the areas that media or consumers could poke holes in, you know, like, is there, is there credibility is there an advisor is there a medical person involved so even things aesthetically right like a website i think that's your first introduction or your or nowadays right your instagram page where people can learn right they can go into the highlights and see like the how to's the benefits you know really like building out assets for because media at the end of the day they're consumers as well so they're going through the journey the same way that we are the only difference is that they're, they might be testing it and then deciding if they're going to review it or include it. But I think thinking about holistically, right, like all your channels, like your brand voice, like how you're communicating communicating in your email marketing, um, all that matters. And like Ali said, most of the time, the people that are doing that are still the founders, you know, a lot of these startups. So they wear a lot of hats and we empathize with them a lot. But I think that you, after you work with a certain amount of founders, you kind of see like who has it and who doesn't. One topic I'd love to cover with you guys is I know you're working on the littles where you guys take the partnership approach with brands that are just like launching and starting out. Um, So why don't you walk me through uh, what those engagements sort of looks like? I remember when we were just talking about it, it it, it sounded really cool because it was almost like you guys were taking this approach of almost like an accelerator, a strategic advisory for uh, CPG brands where if they don't have the option to like sign on a major PR firm where they can handle the retainer and all of that sort of stuff, they can actually bring you in as a strategic partner on the equity side where you're able to come in, help them run all your playbooks and hopefully get them, like you're saying, from a strategic side and point of view, get all your ducks in a row so you're able to launch cleanly as opposed to, you know, okay, maybe we nailed one thing, but all our other channels were all up all over the board, right? So why don't you just walk us through a little bit of how it works, what you guys are excited about, and, and how you sh- you're seeing everything come together. Yeah, so right now, the, if you go to um, www.thelittlesadvisory.com, you'll see that there's an application form. So this is a good way of to kind of vet who's ready 
you know, for someone like us and who's not. And there is also the website, a list of criteria that will also help um, you to, you know, the, the, the brand to decide whether they're a good fit. So they have to be at a certain stage funding wise. They have to be based in the United States. They have to be uh, under a CBG category. So I think that's the first step. And then after the application goes through, we review it. If they're a good fit, we set up an initial call and just understand the brand objectives and their needs. And again, we customize based on what they need. We customize a strategy and then negotiation starts in terms of, you know, some people just want to do cash. Some people want to do cash and equity if it's a longer term engagement. For example, one of our LBPR brands decided to to offer us um, equity and we're doing that, right? So we're doing a portion of equity and a smaller retainer fee, but for a longer contract for three years. Um, so we can start as small or as long um, of an engagement as the brand wants, right? We always recommend uh, a minimum of six months and really to really see success because how much can you really see in the first couple months where you're still strategizing, planning, and kind of getting the ball rolling? Um, but yeah, that's kind of a snapshot of what it looks like. Well, and I'll just, I'll, to add on to that, I think one thing that we talked with the founder the other day about Littles and something that is important to us too is that we believe in the brand. So we're not really here to just take equity immediately. I think it's really important for us to kind of see how the brand grows, how they progress, you know, and really get the passion behind it in order to find those brands that we really believe are going to be an opportunity for equity. So I, I think that it's cool for us because we've been had to like pass on so many brands in the past with LVPR because of their budgets. But this gives us this opportunity to really like cater to these brands that we want to work with, but we couldn't previously. Yeah, I, I love that in terms of like just finding alignment. And I think that's really, really important for founders. And Ramon and I have both been through this in terms of like starting companies. It's like you really want to find people that are aligned with you in terms of like the long term interest. And sometimes you might work with uh, a consultant on a small project. But, you know, in terms of like the long term interest, is there true synergy between what it is that, you know, you want and what is the brand want? So, you know, for you guys to forego, um, you know, a, a retainer because it's a project you really believe in, in the long term, you guys are aligning I incentives to all get on the same page, right? As opposed to, you know, just saying, oh, we don't care about what you do and where you are in 10 in a year from now, so long as you pay our retainer up front. Like, no, you get a little bit more alignment. Um, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And I think we're starting to see this a lot more. I, I know a lot of founders who are taking more organic approaches to fundraising. Typically, it was only like VC and the only value add that you were getting was capital. Then you had, you know, all these VCs who were trying to get in deal and they're like, oh, we're all value add. We're a VC and we're a PR firm. We're a VC and we're this. And then I think where we're seeing things start to go is like founders are able to really choose the partners that they want to bring into their ecosystems, whether it's a creator, whether it's a strategic PR firm, whether who, whoever it is to really complement their existing skill set. Um, and I think that's going to be a trend that we're going to see more of as as capital environments get a little bit harder to raise in. I know, especially in in, in direct to consumer, the the markets and the, the amount of capital being raised is is definitely drastically different than it was a year or two ago. So um, it's just really interesting to see these these innovative models pop up. A hundred percent. And I mean, that's what we saw, you know, even at LVPR, we saw that 
you know, some of our brands weren't scaling as fast or they were cutting budgets because they weren't able to fundraise in this year's environment. And we said, okay, well, we need to see what's the next innovation of, you know, if they're not fundraising and they're not going to be able to scale up retainer wise, but we are really truly invested in their journey. You know, how can we continue to be a part? Absolutely. Um, okay. Next question I have for you guys getting back to Olivia, because now we've got like an idea of a concept that we want to launch. We're going to launch it. Um, what questions would you have for me and what like guidance would you have for us to like successfully launch this, this platform and or product and take it to market? You love asking the planner. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I always, the, my first question is why, like, why are you doing this? What's the reason? What's the story? who's on your team, like talk me through that and then I'll go from there. Perfect. So the like founder of the brand and the person who's really running it is actually my girlfriend, Sabrina. So you should definitely be talking to her. <laughs> but the way the brand originated, um, obviously a, a couple years ago, tragically, her father passed away due to probably complication, heart related complications due to COVID, right? So she was really into trying to understand um, you know, health. She had questions about her own health. Is this hereditary stuff? Is it something that she can solve with like natural remedies? What can she do to sort of like take control of it? A, a couple following up later, after she had that scare and, and devastating thing with with her dad p passing, um, I started going through my own heart problems. Where uh, I don't know if it was like after COVID related or what, but I started. I started fainting. I started uh, having arrhythmias. My heart would like speed up and then it would stop beating. So just like really weird sort of stuff happening. Um, so she was she was like, okay, I need to figure out what's going on. Then enter one of my good friends who is a cardiologist uh, from Harvard and NYU. Um, and he's also Greek. And he has been studying and doing a lot of research into olive oil, the compounds, the benefits. And in traditional and in, in European cultures, there's less incidence of like heart related problems, lower cholesterol, lo better longevity and better overall health in a lot of cases. And they were they've isolated a lot of these compounds. So over the last year, couple of years, there's been some really interesting and very compelling data coming out around hydroxytyrosol specifically, as well as these other phenolic compounds in olive oil. Um, and that does do things, including literally like reducing the plaque that you have in your heart, lowering cholesterol, improving vascular health. Right. So that was kind of like how the concept of the brand was born. And then from a product perspective, it was like, you know, in terms of what we saw in the market, it was OK. Olive oil is becoming more of a thing. You see influencers and and people who are in the space talking about health and wellness, natural health how do how do we solve things naturally and and even as far as like things like you know Starbucks is putting olive oil in their coffee for example because like it's 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 a thing right and there's a lot of um great things to be said about extra virgin olive oil so all that came together and then became came the product side of like okay how do we solve this because form form factor becomes a problem western diet becomes a challenge and how do we and calories become a challenge too right we can't create a product that is like going to be a thousand calories or 500 calories every day because sure the health benefits are great but people it's just not going to be realistic and the form factor has got to matter so that was kind of the inspiration from the brand um and sabrina was able to take it and start to put it together and you know obviously i'm nosy and my my head's in everywhere and so 
So that's kind of how 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 I got involved with it being in the D2C space. But yeah, that's that's a background about the product, the problem and what it does. Okay. So you obviously saw a hole. So you, in terms of differentiators, is there competitors on the market that you guys would say like you're up against or do you feel like your product is completely innovative and nobody's doing exactly what you're doing? I think it's pretty novel. I don't, we're, the, we're definitely the first um, capsule and capsule olive oil hydroxy tyrosol supplement in the world. Um, so I think if I had to evaluate the market, I'd say in a lot of ways, it's probably early, right? Like I think we saw like probiotics, for example, everyone was doing probiotics. And then now like you see you see the growth in that, you know, supplement category. And I think as trends play out, you can either be in the early side of them or where you're going to have a little bit, there's going to be a little bit more education involved. And the first thing I would recommend would be like an education based campaign, because we saw this a couple of years ago with tinctures, you know, because we're talking about natural herbal remedies and tinctures were not popular. Um, we also saw this with like CBD oils, maybe like 10 years ago. So, you know, you see products that are now um, accepted and mainstream, but, you know, there's you always have to start somewhere. So I think that definitely education would be, you know, number one, including like maybe partnering with content creators that focus on longevity and health and wellness. And, you know, they can be your ambassadors. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we're really passionate about, too, is is when we do death sides or when we launch a brand or we introduce it to the media, it's really the education. So if the category is something that people aren't as familiar with, we did a little research and there's not a ton of articles out there on this category. So we have to make it mainstream. We have to explain to them like why they should cover it and where this fits in like you know, their editorial lineup. So I think that the education piece is huge. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And and I think kind of what, what I was saying before is like brands have, you know, there's all different times of market timings. You can either be early, you can enter right as the market's hot. There's already a bunch of pent up consumer demand. And then you just kind of replicate whatever else like product, the first product to do it is, and you can get grab a, a bunch of market share that way. Or you could be on the tail end of a trend and then, you know, it would be like me and Ramon starting a fidget spinner brand today. I don't think that would do too well. It seems like that that wave is is, is over. So it, it's just interesting to kind of see like, you know, and when you're coming up with a brand, like where you fit within that trend. And like you were saying, understanding, OK, if you're early, you're going to have to take the education angle and you're going to have to pick the right creators and you're going to have to do all this because, again, you don't have a, a mature ready to buy audience in the same way you would if we're say, you know, look five, six years down the line from now. Yeah. It seems like um, that sort of reminds you of like, um, what are those landers called? Blaine, I forget. Like um, the landing pages that convert. That like are, click funnels? No, it's, a, it's a funnel, but it's like infomercial-ish. Um, the educational pages. Uh, what it, what it, Listicles. Like, listic- yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, so like partnering with like media publications that can really just do it, it's not just an article about the trend. I mean, it's it's a funnel inter- intended to drive the um the person through that journey until leading them onto the product, hopefully causing a conversion. Like not just because it's educational means no, we 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 won't get any sales. We have to educate everyone first. There's a method in a way to making it still be performance driven at a certain point. Oh, I, is that right, Ramon? I think yeah. Like I think you were talking about advertorial, but like I think that's the, the the same idea, right? Yeah, I mean you could do paid editorial 
you know, there's so many different word catchphrases for it, you know, native editorial, paid editorial. Um, it is more expensive. You know, PR is definitely way less of a spend in terms of, you know, if you're starting out. But yeah, if your budget allows it, it's always good to incorporate some paid strategies um, with high converters, you know, like a la BuzzFeed, you know, those listicles or um, that are just clickbaity and you're going to read them just because, you know. Um, but the other way to do, you know, performance things, you know, you could get on um, your stories or Instagram lives or TikTok. I mean, TikTok is great because um, that audience is searching for educational things, right? Like they're searching for trends. So if you do that kind of content and then you're promoting your product, you know, linking it um, for purchase on Instagram or in the TikTok shop, you know, there are ways to educate and then also uh, convert or like track conversions. I'd love to talk about um, some organic social stuff because there's a lot happening in this world, right? Like we've got um, TikTok, which is its own beast. You've got Instagram. Like when you're thinking about bringing a brand to to market, how are you thinking about helping them with their organic strategy uh, and organic social strategy? Of course. I mean, I think this is a very nice lead-in because it's what one of the things that we've actually grown in in this past year. So we, I, I like never wanted to do social. I just, <laughs> it's not our thing, whatever. But we saw all of our brands not using their channels effectively. It wasn't reflective of their PR. It wasn't reflective of their website. It's such a missed opportunity. And so what we really have started to do is help our brands be more st strategic. And so it's like more like, What's your editorial calendar like for, for your social channels? How are you engaging? How are you creating this community? Because that's really what it's about now. And so for us, what we typically do is align like all the different channels together. So they're all working on the same message or promoting the knowledge or, you know, whatever the case is for each brand. Um, but I think it's so important to get your social loaded early, um, have your content ready, have like um, we call it an asset base, like have your library ready so that you really are utilizing it well. And then the, the commerce opportunities between Instagram and TikTok are huge. So it's just like a great conversion arm. We are really excited to announce that DTC Pod is officially part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network is the audio destination for business professionals. And we're really excited about being part of the network because we're going to be able to keep growing the show, bringing you guys amazing guests and obviously helping you guys learn from the best founders, marketers, and builders of the most successful consumer brands. So anyway, keep listening to DTC Pod and more shows like us on the HubSpot Podcast Network at hubspot.com slash podcast network. Well, and let's let's talk about that content asset base because I think that's like, that's critical, right? I think you see it when you, have, you see a great CPG brand, like they've got unified messaging, they've got creative that looks sort of the same across channels. Um, how do you, how do you build one of those? Like, what do you recommend? What do you, what do you, what do you see? And then where is it okay to break free from that? Right? Like Ramon and I, a lot of times we'll talk to different brands who've seen a ton of success on TikTok, for example, and some of their best videos and, and their best performing creative is the ones where it doesn't feature literally any of that content, right? It's just totally off the, off the script and it, it pops. So like, how do you think about A, creating a base of like content assets for the brand that they can work from? And B, how do you 
also help them navigate the like world of you know, TikTok and organic social where there may not be so much template and so much structure in place. Yeah, you have to definitely have to have different strategies for Instagram and TikTok. I mean, they're very different channels. We've seen a lot of success with our founders being just like normal people on TikTok, being relatable, letting the community get to know them. Um, that's been really successful. But I also think, yeah, to your point, there's a big focus on just content creators, not polished you know everyone just wants authentic genuine content and it doesn't have to be product first it needs to be like relatable content and so we're really seeing at least on our end too which has been really interesting we're seeing a shift from paid sponsored influencer marketing posts to just straight content creation for a lot of brands and it's more affordable um you're able to really like fill your content bank at like a lower cost and also kind of figure out what's working, like what content works for your brands. It's like easier. So I don't know. Yeah. And to add to that, you know, when you're thinking about the content bank, you need uh, a couple of different things for a couple of different channels, right? So you need the plain product, like on white, for example, clear background for certain editorial, like website opportunities, um, or they might want more lifestyle content. So it's pe someone, people interacting with the product, like taking the product, holding the product, um, again, still in like an organic way. Um, and then, like you said, there's like the static bank versus video. So with video, you can have more polish, like, um, like the benefits of this product, which is more branded, right? But again, still touching on the education, but you still want that UGC, like user generated content of them just authentically using it their day-to-day, -day, and it, it's not so brand-forward. It's more, um, there's no other word, right? Uh, organic or authentic incorporation of products. And it makes, it makes sense for why brands are replacing influencer with organic content because it costs yeah. money. It's expensive to generate all of this content. And if you're going to be serious about it, you need high level of outputs because you need quantity to get to quality and know what works and what doesn't work. And there's just almost no budget to do both very well simultaneously. They both require a team of outreach, negotiation. You know, the brands that are doing organic content right, it is eating into the budget of influencer because they're spending $10,000, $20,000 a month producing organic content. And then you start seeing performance from it. Um, and it also feeds the ad platforms because now you have that content too that you can repurpose and use on the ad platforms as well. And so I just share this because a lot of brands say, well, why can't we just do both? Let's do both. And that's um, really <laughs> I think it depends. You know, that's why it's so important to understand. One of the main questions we ask is like, let's be realistic about your budget. You know, what is your out-of-pocket marketing budget? And it's, you know, I have like a hot take here because every founder that we talk to doesn't want to give you the number. But then they're so, so annoyed. There's so much time wasted because we give them all these ideas and it's not within their budget, but they wouldn't tell me the budget, you know? So we would have been more efficient, quicker, and just been able to activate faster if you just give me a range. And I'm like, okay, these are the ideas that you can afford, right? This is like your bucket instead of, oh, I want to do all this, but I can't afford it. <laughs> So, so yeah. So, I mean, step one for the founder is like, know that you're on their side, like whatever the budget is, it's not for you to blow it with one creator or, or one media publication. It's, you know, your goal is to maximize, you know, um, the success of the dollar spent. And so 
I think people are used to working with agencies that just not, might be on their side or things like that. So do you have like ranges of like budgets? Like, are we talking 5,000? Is it 10,000? Is it if you're under 20,000, we're not the right fit? So we scale at LVPR. It's everything's under 15, but it's tiers because again, everyone can't afford everything. And some people can, and they want, you know, all the bells and whistles. So I would say that, you know, for, for young startups, we could be flexible starting at six, but mostly our clients come in 85, 10, 12, 15, like that range, which is still very competitive. I mean, we used to work at agencies, New York, Chicago, everywhere else. And, you know, most of the retainers that I worked on were 20 plus with this is LVPR too. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, so LVPR has the those offerings but we also do office hours at lvpr which is more just like strategic like sessions and but then if you go to the littles it's like less expensive so it's kind of like offering yeah and does that include like media publications or access to some of the media publications or is that something that's like or does that depend can be sort of a la carte like hey we have this opportunity that just came up it's this much more. You can take it if you want it. You don't. You don't have to. With our with PR, whether wherever you are, if you're a PR agency, um, all the retainers include media. It's media relations. Is basically like the basic, like the number one bullet at whatever level you have, which means we're reaching out to media and introducing them to your products, sending them product, pitching them ideas about for stories or interviews around the product. So at whatever level you come in, that's always like included, if that makes sense. When when we're talking about scaling up, it's if you want, you know, brand partnership, because there's a lot of negotiations and outreach for that. If you're wanting activations or ongoing press mailers, which is like the compiling of actual packages and uh, handwritten note cards for the press, all it, all those things, if it includes affiliate, right? Because affiliate is a totally different channel from just pitching editorial if you want thought leadership does the founder want to be on panels and podcasts and speaking opportunities you know so i think again it's it's customized based on one what you can afford and then two what do you want to focus on because we know that not everyone can scale everything at the same time just to jump in there i'd love to have an understanding of the the brands that you guys are working with so let's let's not assume they're you know let's assume that you know, maybe a brand has raised a little bit of capital. Maybe they're on their first, second, third sort of production cycle where they're starting to sell. They've got some revenue coming in the door. What's your sort of, uh, you know, sweet spot? Because I know you said ideally we start with them, you know, 60 days before launch and we can either work together in the capacity of LVPR or the Littles. But, um, you know, if it's not at that early of a stage, where do you see brands coming in where they've got the budget, they they can spend and then you can really create a bunch of value add for them? That's a great question. I mean, I think it's different, obviously, for Littles and LVPR, but um, LVPR wise, we typically work with brands that are somewhat funded. What stage? Telling. <laughs> I'm so, the worst at this. So, usually stage. from uh, seed, I would say from seed round to like series B, you know, but we see mostly like seed, bridge rounds, and series A in the LVPR. Um, wheelhouse and then at the littles it's friends and family see you know much smaller early but the biggest thing i mean we say we're generalists so we do 
we do all kinds of brands. They just have to hit those five criteria that she said before. And so that's pretty standard for both Littles and LVPR. I mean, we really, we really care about the founder. We care about sustainability, the, you know, charitable give back, the quality product, and obviously cult like following, but that we genuinely believe in the brand and we can check all those boxes. We've been so successful. Um, we also come in on the trade side, like if they're trying to get into retail or if they have like a really cool marketing story. So we we look for those elements and then we know we can be successful. Um, a lot of times I also think we get a lot of brands that maybe had bad PR experiences and are a little scarred. And so we're also very realistic and we manage expectations really well. And that's been very, that's helped us a lot too, just like transfers. And Blaine, I want to make sure we answered your question because it was at examples of brands we work with now. I mean, maybe it was a stupid question. Yeah. It was more just about, it was just about like, you know, obviously not every brand is 60 days away from launching. So the brands that are like later stage, yeah, like where can they come? And I think you guys answered it. Um, the next question I was going to have, because I know when you're doing a brand launch, how important getting the right PR is. And that, that goes for whether you're a consumer brand, whether you're a software product, Ramon and I have been through this. We we launched a software product. We had great PR in the beginning, and it's kind of creates this sort of halo effect where everything after that starts to like really fall into place because then people look you up, you show up on top of Google, you have great press, like, and you you've kind of got this whole halo around you. So, um, you know, I'm curious about some maybe some if you could tell us about any brands that you guys have worked with in the past where you've had like a major PR win for them that like maybe they wouldn't have had because I know a lot of times like people are like, oh, like what does PR really do? And I think we've definitely flushed that out a bunch, but I'd love for you to share any examples of some of the brands that you've worked with where you've got like major wins for them and they were like, oh, like that it, that can be like really transformational to a, an early stage growing brand. Yeah, I have a good example. Um, we work with this brand called Beanbox. It's a coffee marketplace. And we worked with them now for at least like three years, I want to say. But when they came in, I think same thing. They just wanted to test the water. So they just did like a little haul, a small holiday contract, like very small. I want to say it was like $4,000 or something. Yeah. And, um, you know, we looked at their offerings for holiday and nothing seemed to like leap out the out of, off the page for us. So we said, you know, you're a coffee marketplace. You have so many brands and they're all small batch and cool. Why don't you create a holiday advent calendar? You know, and it's like you're featuring, you have a beautiful package box and each day there's a different coffee to taste. So they did it. They like pulled it together um, and they, you know, put in the order and we were able to get Tons of placements because just generally advent calendars we knew already performed historically really well with the press. And we landed a Today Show placement. Um, so two things happened. Um, we sold through the whole inventory. So it was like 10,000 units. And the product wasn't like cheap. It was like, I want to say it was like $65. Um, but then in addition to that, we got a call from them to renew and, you know, increase our retainer for January because the Walmart retailer watched the Today Show, saw it and put it in order for holiday 2022. And not only did they want to see Madden calendar, but they wanted like exclusive Walmart stocking stuff for options. 
So out of that came a huge, their first really big retail partnership. So I think not not only did they sell through the product from like a sales D to C perspective, but then this opportunity, like you said, right, the halo effect, someone saw it and said, actually, I want to put it in order. So I think that's a really good example of what, how, what PR can do. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I think it's it's so tough when you're sizing these things up because like I think everyone is thinking in direct sort of ROI terms, right? Especially when you've got something you're like, okay, I have limited budget. Like, okay, I'm going to put money on Facebook. I'm going to put money here and I don't know how much I have for PR. But I think the right placements and the right activations can just totally transform a business. And and that's something that, you know, we see time and time again. And especially in the, in like the CPG consumer goods sort of world, it's always like every brand has their kind of like, aha, or their like magic moment where they either like, you know, went onto Shark Tank and then blew up or like went onto the Today Show or like something happens and, and really good things happen. So um, no, that's a, that's a really cool, uh, cool example. Um, the, the, the thing, yeah, no, the, what I was going to say is that the, the thing about that, it's like, it's so hard to put a tangible value to that because it shouldn't be, um, undervalued. The fact that the, the table sort of flips where now the retailers are coming to that brand and like, you can't put a price on that, right? Like that could take years and years and years of work. And you just created that momentum for that brand where they now come to them. Same, it's happened to us working with creators. It's like this chicken and egg problem where, well, creators don't know who you are yet. Um, so how do you attract? Not because you even have the budget means that creators are going to work with you um, or want to work with you. Um, so that's like sort of the intangible value from this type of stuff. Totally. Yeah, I think just to add on to that, I think a lot of our brands, when they we talk to them, they're like, oh, trade media, like that's not a priority for us. And we're like, but we've seen so many brands get buyers through just doing marketing and trade press. And yeah, there's no value really. I mean, you don't, you can't, you can't say it converted. You can't say like the metrics. But the amount of brands that have had buyers call for trade pieces is huge. And I, I wish we could like quantify that more. But and just to clarify, so, you know, today's show where obviously it's like a consumer press outlet and a trade outlet would be something. Are you guys familiar with modern retail? Yeah. Yes. So a good example is we had a brand we worked with by Dr. Lisa. And they're huge in Australia, but no one knew who they were in the U.S. and they were just launching. So we placed editorial, right? So it's, they're paying us to do it, but it's free. We placed a story with an interview with the founder and it was really about their big, splashy U.S. launch, really touting their success in Australia and all the product differentiators. Beautiful standalone piece. You know, again, modern retail doesn't convert. No one's going to buy. But I did get an email from a client weeks later, not even, maybe like a week later, and she said, I got so many investors that reached out to me like us investors to get on calls after that article because who's reading modern retail retailers buyers and investors so i think to ali's point being really strategic of like okay the consumer presses might drive awareness and conversion but don't sleep on that trade marketing press that's going to get you like the business acumen that you're looking for so so that being said let's us do the pr for your agency now with dtc pod and would you tell us what are the brands that get you excited what are the verticals you're looking at right now because they might just be tuning in yeah absolutely so d2c uh but in the consumer space i would say personal care 
wellness, food and beverage, beauty, skincare, body care, lifestyle. If it's something you can buy, you know, I think that we're your, we're your people. <laughs> dogs. Yeah, we love dog brands. Um, I'm a mama to three boys, so I love kid brands. I love maternal wellness brands. Um, I love brands that are making life easier for everyone. So um, I get really, I just get super passionate about like the story. So if there's literally, there's, there's a reason that they're doing this and it's changing somebody's world, that's what I get excited. Yeah. Also, a lot of those brands seem pretty fun to work with. Uh, one of our, I think our last episode was a dog brand called Sundays and it was with their head of um, influencer partnerships and how they do YouTube. And um, it just sounds like all their collaborations are just really fun because they involve family and a bunch of different dynamics. Totally. We worked on Jeeks, the, the dog food, and that one was fun too. But that's the thing. We get to do what we love every day which not a lot of people can say that. And it, it every day is a new exciting day because when you're working across categories, you're not bored, right? Like I, I hear a lot of PR people's like, oh, I only do beauty, I only do fashion. And that's great, but I think you're pigeonholing yourself because I get learnings from different categories that can come across yeah. other categories. Those That's where like, you know, unexpected partnerships come about and things like that. Yeah. Brands that we want to work with. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not being like, whatever. No, I, really I think because we're like, we don't like, why not? Like, why not work with only what you want to work with? And I think that's been really hard for both of us in our careers previously is you were served brands, but we're like, no, we're supposed to wear worse. We're good. <laughs> and I, I think that's, that's, if you can genuinely get to that place, I think that's so much better for both sides of the equation because like, you've been there everyone's been there when you're working on a project that you don't really want to work on right so like if you guys are saying we only work with brands that we want to work with like the and it, if you say no to a brand that should be great for the brand because then they're going to find someone who's the right fit for them and if you say yes to the brand then it's like a hell yes um and you're going to be able to really be into it and and do a lot more so um so guys i just want to thank you for coming on the show today as we wrap up here um, why don't you shout out uh, your your socials? Where can we connect with you? Are you guys on LinkedIn, Twitter? You know, where do we find you guys individually, and where can we find out more about LVPR and uh, Little Voices? I know, do LVPR. LVPR is uh, LV, LVPR.com. Uh, our socials are Little Voice PR, uh, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. Um, I'm Ali Karsh on LinkedIn. <laughs> Um, for the littles, the littlesadvisory.com, the littles advisory on LinkedIn, and on Instagram. And I'm Nicole Florence. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you so much for your time. This is so fun. Yes, guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show, and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.